Welcome to Knitter Square. I'm your host, Leanne Hunt, and I hope you'll pick up your knitting and spend the next little while with me as we share that warm, fuzzy feeling that comes when we knit and crochet for charity. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Knitter Square podcast. This is episode 11 of season two. Um, and as I record this, it's a Tuesday afternoon. It's pretty warm where I'm sitting behind glass. <laughs> we have some sunshine today, but outdoors it's cold and it will start to become even colder tonight as the um, sun sets and the uh, the winter chills set in. I spoke last time about the chilly weather in the KZN area near the mountains. Um, of course, uh, we're in Gauteng, but it's jolly cold up here too. Uh, and the nights um, when the mist and the sort of fog settles in, it's, you know, especially in the valleys, it can get really chilly. So, of course, we are at Nitter Square, an organization that uh, reaches out to uh, orphaned and vulnerable children. Um, usually under the age of about seven and we um, gather squares and blankets and toys and beanies and hand warmers that are knitted and crocheted from crafters around the world and we um, distribute them to children at informal settlements and creches and orphanages and anywhere we can find children that are deprived and who need an extra something to make them feel a little special and cherished. Our organization has been going for nearly 12 years now and we have lots and lots of members around the world um, and it's just always an inspiration to see what gets sent in via the post to the Nitter Square Barn here in Johannesburg. I thought I'd just give us a little um, rundown of some of the guidelines, if you like, of how to send a parcel to Nitter Square. For our regular members, you'll know that um, because you've been doing it for years. But for those of you who are perhaps knitting and you want to send off a parcel for the first time, um, it's important to know that uh, there are packing slips and parcel slips on the website, which you can print out. Now, the, the parcel slips are obviously the most important. They've got the address on. And um, so once you've uh, weighed your parcel and got it to a, an affordable sort of weight where you are, where you can send it cost effectively, You'll need to put the parcel slip on and um, fill in any relevant information. Remember not to put any value on your on your parcel because it is intended for charity. And if your parcel arrives with a value on it, it will get um, it, it will incur extra postal charges, and that'll be over and above what we already have to pay, which is called a handling fee. Uh, the post office in South Africa has gone through very bad times and is needing to make some more money along the way <laughs> so what they do is they are, they are slapping charges on all parcels they received and it's quite a hefty charge um, so some of our members do uh, do a little online donation to cover that charge and um, that always helps a lot you can look in the knitter square store the online store for um, some information on that on, on how to cover those charges but um, with regard again to the parcel slip, um, you place that on your parcel and um, indicate that there is nothing for commercial, no commercial value attached to this uh, parcel. Then your packing slip, which goes on the inside, is literally just, um, it records your name, the country you're from, 
and the number of squares you're contributing. That helps Rhonda to keep an ongoing tally of the number of squares that come in. And it's always nice to have that tally to go back to. I think many of us get very encouraged when we see the number going up all the time. Um, so it's good to have that. Uh, but it's also important, I think, just for recording purposes to make sure that all the squares that come in do, get, do go out in the form of blankets and uh, reach the children they're intended for. Um, in terms of preparation of your squares, uh, whether you knit or crochet the squares, they need to be with a yarn that is suitable for children under the age of seven. So just make sure that it's not too coarse um, and not too heavy. But um, most of our, our yarns that we normally use for ply, double knitting, and in America, sort of what sport weight, iron weight, those those kind of things are chunky as well as they is one of the British ones. Um, those are all fine. You know, it's just softness, texture that is most important. And then, of course, color, because um, the children love the pretty colors that we send. Once you've um, knitted your square, you need to darn in all loose ends. So that would be all the short ends that you've, um, you've, you have dangling because of maybe a change of color or the, the short end, maybe at the, the start of your knitting. Um, what I tend to do is I leave one long end at the end of my knitting and that would be the, the one for sewing in. We um, ask that you would butterfly that long end and there's a diagram on how to do that on the website. It's sort of a way of looping it so that the long thread doesn't get tangled in the sorting process. Because of course our volunteers, once they've unpacked the squares from the package, tend to um, put them in piles according to size and color and things. And those long ends can get very tangled up if they're not butterflied together. So butterfly the ends and then bundle your squares up into uh, packs of 10. Or um, if you have managed to do enough squares to make a complete blanket, into 35. Once you've bundled those up, you can package them in a packet that is uh, sort of a plastic bag or otherwise a mailing bag with a plastic coated interior and that prevents moisture from getting in. Don't use cling wrap because we find that the parcels, at least the squares, once we unwrap them with from the cling wrap have a strange smell to them. And then you, you pop all those into a parcel, take it off to your post office and get them to weigh it and to let you know how much it's going to cost. Now um, there are often standard weights you know, like you'll go uh, parcel under 2,5 kgs and a parcel from 2,5 to 10 kgs or whatever this, the case may be. Um, and you'll want to be as close to that limit, upper limit as possible. So if you're aiming for 2,5 kgs and you're up to about 2,3, then you might want to pop in a little soft toy. And then we say, uh, don't uh, include a toy that has price labels on. Remove the label so it can qualify as a used item. Then you pop it in, make sure you can get as close to the, the measurement as possible, and then uh, seal it up. Um, we, we often find our members saying at the post office, people know them very well because they come in so often <laughs> with their parcels and their squares and beanies and toys and things ready to squash as much in as they can. That's basically the, you know, how to do it. And um, I think... I think anything else you need to know, visit the website because there are lots and lots of instructions and uh, pictures on how to do it. There's uh, the forum with a um, how-to um, 
what do you call it, discussion thread with um, lots and lots of things. But even if you are, you feel you're stuck and you just want to reach out, you can pop a, a question out there in the forum and somebody will get back an answer very quickly. Uh, it's always fun to um, be involved. So I encourage you to, to participate as much as you can on that forum. Uh, today's interview is with Marion Davies, who's from uh, North Wales, the coast. And from everything she tells me, it's a beautiful spot. She's got castles on her doorstep and it's beautiful sea and uh, boats and things. So picture that lovely setting as you listen to Marion. We had fun chatting and on a couple of occasions we just dissolved into giggles. And I, I left those bits in because it was I thought they were rather fun. And Marion does have such a lovely laugh. She also talks about some knitting-related injuries, and I thought that would be useful for others to listen to. I'm sure she's not the only one that has experienced such things. I certainly have, and um, it might be interesting for you to see what she has found, what works for her. So I'm going to hand over right now to my interview with Marion Davies. Hi, Marion. Um, welcome to the Knitter Square podcast. Um, it's great to, to be chatting to you. It's afternoon for me. I think it's probably afternoon for you, but where I'm sitting, it's pretty warm. What's it like where you are? Yeah, the weather's really nice today. Um, it's really nice to talk to you, Leanne. Great. <laughs> Lovely. Marion, do you want to tell us where you are in the world and um, yeah, a little bit about sort of setting the scene for our listeners? Yeah, um, I live on the North Wales coast in the UK, um, in a small town called Deganway, and it's on the shores of the Conway estuary. Um, it sits between Plandidno, which is a Victorian seaside town, mm. and Conway, which is a medieval town, um, and has a has a castle that was built in the 13th century. Um, wow. Yes, and, and where I live, um, I'm quite high up, so I've had the most fantastic views over the river. Oh, um, right. You look over the river, so does that mean you're living on the north or the south side of the river? I'm just sort of trying to picture it. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's the north side. <laughs> So, um, yes, if I look across the river, I can mm. see um, Conway Marina. Yeah. Um, all the boats and then the mountains behind. Oh, beautiful. And then if I look up river, I can see Conway, the town and the castle mm -hmm. with the bridge. Um, so actually I have views to the side and to the back as well. That's lovely. Um, if I look out the back on my, my kitchen window I can see the sea I can see Deganway Beach and towards the north the west shore of Landidno. Ah okay now so I'm, it, a it, bit of I'm so lucky it, it, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and uh, have you lived there a long time in that place? Well we grew up um, in Landidno um, and lived you know till I was married and then um, I moved away um, mm -hmm. with my husband. We were in the licensed trade. So um, 
we managed pubs and moved to Essex and um, Buckinghamshire and London. I lived and worked in London for a long time. Um, and then I, well, I suppose I just wanted to come home, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's pretty full on in London commuting and everything. And um, yeah, so I came back in two, in 2000. Oh, OK. Was your husband with you at that time? He was at the time, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been on my own since 2005. So I see. Okay. Quite a while. And we were chatting before about your, your living arrangements where you live now. Oh, yes. Well, some people think it's quite unusual. Um, my sister has a three-storey house, a Victorian house, not far from where we grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's three flats. And over the years, we... We've moved in. So my mum is in the bottom flat. My sister's in the middle and I'm at the top. So I've got the glorious views. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You've got so the lovely we, views. Yeah. We You've can also got be the together. Steps. Sorry. I was going to say, you've also got the steps, Marion. How do you cope with that? Well, it, it, it's good exercise. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, but yes, we can be private. You know, we've each got our own privacy, but then we can be together as and when we want. Mm. And, you know, as my mother's getting older, she needs a little more help. So it, it's the ideal arrangement. And we've always been close as a family. Wonderful. Yeah. I can imagine it's really nice because just being able to support each other, if one of you gets sick or something, there's always somebody to to call out to and help and whatever. It's really nice. You can be there for each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially, you know, with what's been happening in the last year and a half, mm. you know, it's been wonderful to have the companionship in the company. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Because you were in lockdown just like us. And I suppose if you couldn't go out, at least you could sort of pop in and and um yes. say hello to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because normally I've got two sons who are in their late forties. Mm-hmm. Um one lives in Kent. Um we've got three grandchildren there. Mm-hmm. And then I have another son who lives in Sweden and I've got mm-hmm. two grandchildren. So, of course, it's been a long time since I've been able to visit them. For so, all of us with, know. with family far away. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's the same for everybody, isn't it? So is that why you're quite um, uh, confident on Zoom? <laughs> you, you've oh, done well, this before. <laughs> I haven't such. I mean, I have spoken to the family on Zoom, but mm. I, I wasn't sure how I, how I was going to come across <laughs> to be honest <laughs> it's a it's a new experience but it's you know there's always a room mm. for, for new experiences in life I think yeah <laughs> Marion tell us a little bit about how you got involved in Little Square well um I think the same as a lot of people really I was looking online for um charity crochet and knitting and um, came across Kaz mm-hmm. and then I had a look on the forum and I you know looked at the some of the pictures and actually what got my attention straight away was the pictures of the 
children wrapped in their brightly coloured blankets. Mm. And of course, that led me in and that drew me in. Um, so, yeah, everybody seemed really friendly. Um, I think it was it was just what I was looking for, really. Mm. Um, I like the idea that um, there was a monthly theme yes. that you could take part in. Um, and actually, um, I joined in 2017, so four years, not, mm -hmm. not as long as some people, obviously. Mm. Um, and the theme for February was Passion for Purple. And um, purple is one of my favourite colours. Mm. And at the time, I happened to be making myself a, a, sea, a corner to corner blanket in different shades of purple and lilac and um I thought I don't need I don't need this blanket <laughs> so I I was about halfway through so it was quite easy for me to sort of resize it yeah. and make it to the required size so that oh. was the first thing that I actually posted on the forum fantastic and yeah it it seemed like it was meant to be <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And everybody was so encouraging. And um, yeah, they were so welcoming. I mm. thought, well, yeah, this is this is for me. I mean, it's such a marvellous organisation. Mm. Yeah. What, what you say about posting it on the forum and people being encouraging, that's one of the things that really excites me and um, inspires me I suppose when I go in the forum and I see people have posted pictures of squares or blankets or beanies or something and there's so many comments like oh I love the colors or you've chosen such a beautiful pattern or that's so neat and whatever it's it's just fantastic I mean I, I don't yeah. post pictures very often I did in the beginning but it's quite an effort for me to to take pictures and post them but I just think for anybody who who does um who is visual, you know, and enjoys taking pictures. It's wonderful. It's a lovely thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, and that it's, you know, humorous. It's warm, friendly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> what about your background in, in craft, uh, Marion? Have you always been a knitter? Do you crochet? What, what is, and when did you start? Um, yeah, I learned to knit when I was um, quite young. Um, and uh, yeah I've always been a knitter really mm -hmm. um, but I can't really do that anymore I um, get problems with my with my arm with my elbow mm -hmm. um, and I have a problem with my neck so um, you know the nerves so mm -hmm. I, I can't really knit um, so yeah t I just went on the internet and taught myself to crochet Mm -hmm. And for some reason, that as long as I'm careful, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I seem to be able to manage it all right. I don't know what I do actually if, yeah. if I if I can't use. You know, I, I've always got to be doing something. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to ask you if you can sort of describe what you do to be careful because I had a problem recently where my hands started to get sore. And I, I stopped crocheting for a couple of weeks and it's definitely made a difference. So something about the way I'm crocheting seems to be um, 
I don't know, making my making my muscles ache or something. Is do you hold your work in a certain way that you find helps? Um, I don't think I I don't think I hold it in the traditional way. You know, like um, I mean, everybody does does it differently, mm-hmm. but um, you know, your your fingers are very cramped, aren't they, over the hook and the and with your wall, you know, keeping the tension and everything. So the, so there's some exercises um, act, that I found online actually that um, you know where you release and curl your hand up for a certain amount of times. So there's some very good ones, so I do those. Okay. But mostly, mostly what I've done is is change my position when I crochet. So whereas I used to sit on the sofa and crochet while I was watching the television or you know, um, stuff like that. Or mm. I now sit at a table so that I'm sitting fairly upright because, okay. you know, I think I used to be quite stooped over and, of course, that really affects my my neck, which then leads to problems with my arm. So, yeah, I find yeah. that I sit in a chair, I sit upright, and also I'm... I'm looking I hold my crochet a little higher so that I'm not looking down at it and that seems to work for me I think that's probably the key actually is not looking down because when you have your work in your lap and you're constantly looking down I can imagine it's stretching your neck but as you say it's referred pain that goes down your elbows and into your wrists and fingers even yeah yeah um, yes, but I mean, the exercises are very good mm. because, of course, if you're cramping your fingers and then it, it releases all the tension that you've sort of built up in there. Mm. Well, it works for me anyway. Mm. I'm going to try those. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't paid much attention to ex- exercising my, my wrists, but I, I definitely do need to start. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, there was a point, um, not last year, the year before, where I actually couldn't crochet mm-hmm. for about eight months. I couldn't actually do any sewing or anything like that oh because uh, all the nerves in my neck had sort of um, not seized up, but it, it was causing me a lot of problems. I couldn't, I could hardly move really. Um, and then what did you do? Well, I just stopped to sort of doing any craft work at all and, um, went to the had some physiotherapy mm. and gradually um yeah it it got better but but I, I was devastated at the time because I thought oh I, I can't I won't be able to crochet again because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't knit anyway but um yeah it just suddenly it, over time it just got a little better mm. which is why I have to be so careful now but as Absolutely. long as I manage it all right, mm. you know, take breaks so that I'm not sort of crocheting for hours, mm. <laughs> you know, get up, move around. Yes, yes. Mm. Yeah, it's one of those things because we so enjoy our craft and we find that it's, it is that so therapeutic in so many ways that the thought of actually having a physical problem that would stop you altogether is, is very scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mm. so anyway, I started crocheting a, um, a little, I think, at the beginning of uh, last year, I think, mm. and um, 
yeah, I just sort of did, you know, quarter of an hour and then left it and then just tried to build it up gradually. And then, well, you know, I'm okay I, now. Yeah, I was going to say you must be okay because we've had some amazing picture um, picture squares and things that have come in um, recently from you. Yeah, well, I, I do enjoy... I do enjoy making the picture squares. Mm. Um, yeah, I like to think that, you know, some little kid even enjoys it in their blanket. Absolutely. Did what, it used to worry me at first that, um, you know, about like a child having a lovely or a picture square in their blanket and yet and others in the same sort of distribution. I mean, all the blankets are lovely, I, mm. you know, don't get me wrong, mm. but I, it did worry me that there maybe only one or two would have a picture square. Mm. Um, but then I thought, well, they're all so lovely, so many different colours and patterns and everything mm. that I thought, well, you know, and I enjoy making them. Yeah. What what we hear so often from the people who are distributing is that the children really don't compare. They are so incredibly mm. grateful for what they receive, and they just but they want to treasure their own their own blanket. And um, I know from being in the barn, and you know when when we have this enormous big pile of blankets, and I'm particularly attracted by texture because I can't see the colors so well, but I I love to feel the texture. And the texture of those squares is so different. And I think, uh, you know, that's a part of the, um, the appeal of the blankets that, that is different from um, shopboard blankets. Is that, you know, you've got these little ribbed rows and you've got crochet bumps and holes and you've got uh, yarns that are silky and yarns that are rough and textured and knobbly. And there's just so much variety. And I would imagine a child who's getting a blanket with different kinds of texture in it. Um, that child will have his favorite squares and it may not always be the brightly colored ones or the sort of the more um, the, the ones that we would think would be the most appealing you know maybe it's the soft fuzzy pink one um, and and you know just because of its texture so that's what I'm, I'm sort of coming to realize that the child will um, find in that blanket that he or she receives something to be very um, fond of and to you know to, to sort of think this is my special blanket <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well I mean it's marvelous looking at all the photos in mm. of the blanket room you know that oh. Patricia posts yes I absolutely. mean they're they're so beautiful they're all unique mm. um you know the colors the patterns yeah it, you know it's they, it's they lovely are. to look at yeah, they're a little bit like works of art, don't you feel? Um, they are, yes. Certainly when, when I see them um, laid out, I kind of, we, we, we have this sort of tradition where um, the, the blankets will all be laid out and then Rhonda will stand on a chair with her camera and then yeah. the volunteers will stand around. <laughs> and usually one of them, like um, Viv or Estelle or somebody, will whip them off one at a time and, you know, as each one gets whipped off, it gets bunt off, folded and put into a bag and then um, Rhonda will take pictures. So we have this little system going. But as I stand there and I watch, it's just 
quite amazing to, to see each one being revealed because it really is like a mosaic, just a special jeweled mosaic that is so distinctive from every other one. Yes, I agree. What about fellow knitters in your community? Um, your mom and your sister and any friends, are they keen knitters or crocheters? Um, no, mom, well, I broke my mom into much. She makes teddies um, oh. for Knitter Square. That's great. Um, my sister doesn't really, she can knit, but she doesn't. Um, she likes to sew. I've never really liked sewing. Yeah. Um, never been able to sew a straight line. Uh, <laughs> yeah so <laughs> um they bought me a sewing machine actually when you know when I as I said before I couldn't crochet for, mm. oh. for such a long time so they bought me a sewing machine said well you know try this try sewing you could make toys or something so I had a go um I was practiced for so long trying to get the seams straight or curved or um, I didn't really enjoy it that much. And also I found that I was still, it was still bothering my neck a little. But I'll get yes. round to it eventually. Yeah. I'm determined to, to master it. I'm just thinking you've probably seen the town itself change a lot over the, over the years. Um, yes. Um, well, actually, Clandidno is, um, it hasn't really changed that much. You know, shops come and go. Mm-hmm. But the nature of the town is is a seaside resort. So, um, yeah, it's pretty much the same. You know, they've got the Victorian seafront. They've got the pier. They've suffered massively, you know, here as elsewhere, you know, with with the restrictions and everything over the past 18 months. But, yes, it's, it's a beautiful town. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, Conway as well, you know, with the castle. Um, you know, that was always full of visitors. You know, it's built in the 13th century. Tell us um, a little bit so. about that, because I'm just trying to imagine who built the castle. I mean, what is the history um, of it? Yeah, well, um, it was Edward I who built mm-hmm. it. Um, in his, it was part of these fortifications when he, in his conquest of Wales, Okay. So he built several um, castles along the coast. Um, yeah, so there's, um, you know, Carnar- at Carnarvon. That was where the Prince of Wales had his investiture. Oh, right. Um, there's Harleth, Bumaris. I probably left a couple out. I can't, I can't and, think of any more at the moment. Was that to fortify against um, from invasion from the sea then? Yes, well, yes, I suppose it was just a defence, yeah. I think he built it in 1280 or something like that, round, round oh, about then. Mm. Amazing. Does it have beautiful gardens and things? Um, no, it, it's, you can actually go in and walk the, uh, you can climb up the steps and walk on the top, you know, the battlements. And uh, there's a lot of it that's intact. And the town itself, you know, it's got small, narrow, cobbled streets. And um, I think a lot of the town, old town walls are still intact. You can actually walk around the outer ring of the town. Finally, Marion, what are you working on at the moment? Do you have any um, interesting squares or projects, blankets that you can tell us about? 
Yeah, I'm a bit behind this month. I've been working on Patricia's theme, which is um, hearts and flowers. Ah, right. So I've been, uh, I've got a square. I, I've actually finished it, but mm -hmm. I just need to sew the ends and just add a border because it hadn't quite come up to the size that I was expecting. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, it's a bird and it's a bird and a flower. Mm, and then yes. I've got, I, I always have two or three different things on the go at once so I've um, got some more squares to sew the ends um, I've got some hearts in diamonds nice and then some uh, flower squares I like to make my squares in sets of fives or tens that's a good or, idea you know, the, the large then... picture square well Marion your your work is hu a huge inspiration to us in the barn I know when your when your um, packages come in, everybody's very excited. I often hear Estelle talking about the lovely picture squares that you send in. So thank you so much for bringing all that delight to us. <laughs> lovely to see the children receive their little packages, you know, with the toys. I mean, it just melts your heart, really, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And knowing that they're going to be warm and cozy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm just so glad that the people do post the pictures so that our members can can see them. Because I think for you, um, you when you've knitted something and put a lot of effort in, it's just so lovely to see where, where it ends up. It is. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's, you know, such hard work from everybody, you know, in the barn from sorting and photographing and the distributions. I mean, it's wonderful you know everybody works so hard and uh, it's worth it it's worth it isn't it it's really worth it because it's it just is such a lovely thing to be involved in you know a lot of friendships have been formed because we're all working towards such a a, a cause that is such a feel-good thing <laughs> you know it's just lovely yeah. to make others happy isn't it yes it is um, well great Marion I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and for sharing your story with us well thank you Leanne I really yeah. enjoyed it lovely great well thank have you. a good rest of the day thank you and you well I think that was fun and um, as I say I hope you enjoyed hearing from Marion and all her inspirational ideas and tips so um, I just wanted to also mention as we come to the end of the podcast that uh, the COVID wave, the third COVID wave here in South Africa is reaching a peak as we speak. And here in Gauteng, we have um, a vast number of uh, the cases. The hospitals are pretty full. Um, in fact, in some, in some cases, they just haven't got beds. Uh, ambulances are having to wait outside until... Uh, space becomes available and it really is getting to be quite a, a dire situation. Um, of course, vaccines are being offered, but we had a bit of a glitch because of the Johnson & Johnson problem. Um, we had a whole lot of Johnson & Johnson vaccines here on standby, but they were a batch that was suspected of being contaminated and eventually it was necessary to, to destroy them. So that set us back a little bit. And uh, a new um, tranche of, of vaccines are coming in today or tomorrow, 
and vaccination is going to start with the teachers. We are still having um, uh, ongoing vaccinations for over 60s, but there has been some resistance in that age group to getting vaccinated. So it's all a bit of a, um, you know, it's, it's a bit of a guessing game as to how it's all going to turn out. Um, but we've we've sort of heard from the authorities that really this wave is picking up very sharply, very steeply. Um, we've been warned to please social distance as much as we can. And um, that's possible if you've got somewhere to be, which is you know, away from other people. But it's not so easy for people who are traveling in taxis to work. Of course, offices are still open. Um, people are still having to travel to and fro from work. And um, schools are in progress at the moment. So there is um, a lot of coming and going, toing and froing, and um, not so easy for people to, to social distance as much as they were certainly in the beginning of the whole lockdown. So um, keep us in mind here, especially those people living in the informal settlements um, and the children that we care for. Uh, we haven't heard yet of any uh, rampant outbreaks in the townships, but where people do live in close quarters, it's obviously a very risky situation. And of course, with the cold and people needing to get close to stay warm, um, it's um, yeah, it's pretty risky. So... Uh, I just wanted to update you on that. Keep your ears open for developments, but please be praying for us and um, for the volunteers here on the ground. We're doing our best to um, keep the pipeline going with lots of parcels being opened and squares being joined and uh, distributions happening. If things get much worse, we may have to pause for a couple of weeks, but at this stage, as far as I know, everything is continuing as usual. So wherever you are in the world, please enjoy, uh, continue listening to the podcast. Um, episodes are uh, on your um, podcatcher, wherever you are. <laughs> and certainly you can find them by scrolling back through the episodes on the Netter Square website on the podcast page. Um, and remember to share the podcast with others who you think may enjoy listening and who may be inspired to knit for charity for the children here in South Africa. So with that said, this is Leanne Hunt casting off. You can find show notes at www.knit-a-square.com slash kas-podcast. Please tell your friends about this podcast if you've enjoyed it, and you can share links on Facebook, Twitter, and wherever your knitting friends congregate. Together, we are bringing hope to South Africa's vulnerable children, one square at a time.